Here's another inspiring message from Northside Community Church, Sydney. Well, isn't it funny how one act of forgiveness can stay in your memory for a lifetime? Uh, The example that I have never forgotten, and I'm sure I've shared it with one of you, stems back to a moment that I had with a friend of mine. We're about eight years of age. And it was a moment that we had standing on the ninth green of Blackheath Golf Club. Uh, When we were there, I was there with my mate Greeny and his dad and me and my dad. And we we were there getting ready to tee off. And uh, Greeny had really not played golf all that much before. And so he was having trouble teeing up his ball. And so every time he'd put the ball on the tee, it would would fall off. And so he was there waiting with his three wood ready to go up uh, the ninth hole of Blackheath Golf Club and a ball kept falling off. And so his dad decided to help him out and bent down to put the ball on the tee. And as his dad bent down, Greeny decided that would be the moment when he would give it everything he could to send that ball up the ninth fairway. And with the sound that kind of resembled an Easter egg when you drop it down the stairs, there was this almighty thwack. And he knocked his dad fair and square in the forehead with a three wood. Meanwhile, Greeny's dad kind of is just, I don't know if he was passed out. I don't know if he was convulsing. I don't know what. We thought he was dead. We were th- He just lay there. And eventually he... He got better, he gets up from the ground and he says to his son, he says, Andrew, you are not playing golf for the entire next hole. To which my dad comes up to me and he says, son, you ever hit me in the head like that? You are never playing golf again. (laughs) See, the reality is, at some point in life, you and I have been hit in the head with a three wood. And what I mean by that is that you and I have been the recipients of pain in some way. Someone's hurt you. Someone's slashed your reputation. Someone's trash-talked you. Someone's broken your heart unfairly. And in that moment, you have a choice and a decision to make. In that moment, the sorts of questions that come to your mind are the sorts of questions that come from Peter, a follower of Jesus, to Jesus that we'll see in the passage that we've got this morning. And his questions 2,000 years ago are the same questions that we have when it comes to these moments of pain in life. Jesus, do I have to forgive? And how much should I forgive? You feel this right? To which Jesus, and I'll just let me front load what he's going to say to us this morning in case you kind of start to nod off or you're getting onto your phone or whatever. I'm just going to give you the answer straight up and then we can expand the sermon. Straight away, Jesus says, yes, and a heck of a lot. (laughs) That's the short answer. To which when we hear that, there's so much within us that go, hang on, but that's unfair. That's not right. (laughs) That's too much. You don't understand my situation, Jesus. You don't know what they've done to me. You don't know how much it hurts. How can you say a thing like that? And I think part of the reason is that there is always a sense for us, right, that when someone has hurt us and hit us in the head with the three wood, that they've created a debt in the relationship. Is that the best way to describe what's happened? There's a debt in the relationship. They owe you. Something's happened. In your job, you feel like your boss owes you. Uh, At home, uh, you you feel like 
Your husband owes it to you to be a little bit more sensitive. You, at home, you feel like your wife needs to respect you more. Uh, with your friends, you feel like that they just need to understand you a little bit better. And so we start to feel that this debt is being created. And so then what do we do? Well, when we've had the pain, we then start to build a case for ourselves. I don't know if you do this, but you start to build a case for yourself where you subconsciously build a case as to why the person owes you. You start to build a case where they're going to have to come to you and say, look, let me give you the reputation back and let me give you the recognition back and let me give you the honour back and let me give you the money I took and let me pay you back. Let me pay you back. And, and we, we feel justified in that, right? Because after all, we're the victim. So we build our case. And really what we're doing is we're, we're building a ledger of debt towards the other person, aren't we? We're just stacking it up in the ledger. We're just thinking of more examples that we can add to the ledger of debt with this person. And whenever these moments in the ledger start flowing through our mind, we get more angry and we get resentful and we get bitter. And then we do something even more clever. We start putting compound interest on the debt. And here's how we do this. We start, we, we give, we put compound interest on the debt and I'm, 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 sure you would never do this but for me and here's a really funny thing I start having imaginary conversations in my head with the with the person who's hurt me and you know the really cool thing in the imaginary conversations whenever I have the imaginary conversations there's always other lots of people around that get to hear in and when they hear what this person has done to me man it's like an army of people ready to smack them down right like that's is this just me well, we, keep, we put compound interest on the debt. We keep heaping it on. We keep adding to the ledger more and more until the point where they could never possibly pay you back, right? We build our case. And so we all have our own tactics. We have, all have our own conversations. But at, at the end of the day, here's what happens. We hold on to our anger and our resentment because we feel that we're justified and we're right because after all, I'm the innocent victim. Now, to make things worse, part of the challenge that we're facing here, if you're not already feeling the tension, is that we live in a culture that does not do forgiveness well. Have you noticed this? That there is actually not the resource for healthy forgiveness in our culture. In our culture, our culture, as Tim Keller would describe in his book, Forgiveness, which is a great resource, by the way. We're going to get Joycey and she's going to put it in the Pillinger Library over the coming weeks so you can read through this book off the back of this series. Uh, but he says the way that our, our culture doesn't do this well, it's either che cheap grace, little grace, or no grace. <laughs> cheap grace is, I'll forgive you just to make me better. Little grace is, I'll forgive them when they earn it back. And no grace is, they just, they just have to pay. <laughs> right? And he describes in detail, that is the model of our culture. There's no model of forgiveness that gives us a resource to be able to forgive people. And then on top of that, if our culture doesn't do it all that well, on top of all of that, then you've got the church. And I don't know if you've ever been in churches or places or with Christians where they say to you when you're feeling upset about the three wood to the head, oh, well, you shouldn't feel that way because you're a Christian. 
And as a result, what do we do? We just keep pushing the anger down and the resentment down. And we just keep pushing it down because I'm a Christian. And we, if we do it hard enough, we, we get depressed. We, we get angry. We get frustrated from it all. And so whether we're building our own case, whether the culture doesn't give us any models for forgiveness, whether we're told to feel that way, at the end of the day, all of this anger and bitterness for, from unforgiveness leads us to this question, Jesus, do I have to forgive and how much? Now, Peter understood this. He's overhearing a conversation of Jesus' teaching. And that's what led Peter to ask these questions. And Jesus understood Peter's confusion about forgiveness. And Jesus understands your confusion about forgiveness this morning. And Jesus, in classic Jesus style, when Peter asks him these questions, Jesus doesn't give him an answer. Guess what Jesus does? Tells him a story. Jesus always just tells you a story and he starts to tell Peter a story that answers these questions. Do I have to forgive and when is enough enough? And he tells this story in Matthew chapter 18, verse 21 to 25. In verse 21, it says, Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? There it is. Do I have to forgive and how much? And Jesus answered, I tell you not seven times, but 77 times. So in other words, a lot. (laughs) Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king. He starts to tell the story, Peter, who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And as he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. In modern day terms, this was in the billions of dollars. In other words, you can see the point of Jesus' story straight up. Here is someone who can never pay you back. And don't we feel that? Because the person is no longer there, the, the, the person is no longer with you, you don't think the relationship is there to do it, they've got no capacity to repay you for the pain that they've caused you, right? And as he began this, this settlement, we've got the 10,000 bags of gold, and since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children, all that he had, be sold to repay the debt. And at this, the servant fell on his knees before him, be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay you back everything. And the servant's master took pity on him, cancelled the debt and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found that one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. So in other words, see the disparity between the debt? Can't possibly pay it back. Debt that can be easily sorted out. He grabs him and begins to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. And his fellow servant fell to his knees and begged with him, be patient with me and I'll pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off, had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt And when the other servants saw what happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that happened. And then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said, I cancelled all the debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? And then, see, by this point, Peter's thinking, "Um, this is not going too well. I kind of asked Jesus a question to get God on my side and get a good answer from him and like me and God can get together. And then Peter's already starting to put himself into the story and he's thinking, this is not going too well. He's probably retreating, thinking, I should never, never just ask Jesus a question, right? You just, I, I shouldn't really be asking about this. <laughs> and, then, and then you have one of the most terrifying passages in the Bible. And uh, if you're Chris Beckingham up in Woi Woi, he always looks for these sorts of passages because we pastors don't like to preach this. So I just give you the first four slides and then we move on with the sermon. But have a look at what it, the story then says. In his anger, the master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured 
until he should pay back all he owed. Verse 35, one of the most scariest passages in the Bible. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. End of parable. You feeling this? And when I see this passage, I came against that this week and my last answer is, I don't want to. Now, I've, in my own life, had, certainly in the last couple of years, um, levels of pain, levels of hurt, levels of slander, levels of gossip, levels of reputational damage that I, I never thought I would experience. And when I come against a passage like this, my honest answer to Jesus is, I don't want to. In fact, I kind of want to like just roll the conversation around in my head kind of like a lolly in the mouth because at the moment, like with the pain that was caused against me, kind of just feels nicer to let them suffer in my own mind a little bit more, right? And I want to be sensitive with this because, you know, I preach this passage way differently than when I preached it five years ago because I think I stand with some of you that I want to be sensitive to this. If you came up here and this was your story, there would be things that have happened to you in your life that would make us gasp. And there has been pain and injustices in your life that would make us gasp. And you would have every reason to say, if you came up on this stage and we heard your story, we would say, where with her, Jesus? That's not fair to say that they've got to forgive after what they've done to her or to him. And I kind of wrestle with this because it gets to the point where when you see a passage like this, that what God's going to torture us if we don't forgive people, I'm kind of like, what sort of sick God does that? Like, if God is so good, why, why would he force us to do something that is so incredibly painful? It's almost like God's our enemy. And then I had this revelation. Is that what Jesus is saying here is that he's saying, child, please understand this. Do you, do you think that I'm telling you to do this in order to torture you? You don't understand the real enemy. Because God is not your enemy. Unforgiveness is your enemy. And if you think that it's torture that God is going to ask you to forgive someone who has hurt you, then you haven't understood that in your unforgiveness, you have been torturing yourself every single day for the last 15 years. That every moment that we hold on to the anger and the bitterness and the resentment and we allow this to play over and over and over in our minds, God's not torturing us, we're torturing ourselves. And so God knows how painful it is to go through the act of forgiveness. That Can you see that he's almost having to threaten his children into the process of forgiveness so that they would do it? To which I think that is absolutely crazy and sick and then I realise parents do this all the time. <laughs> don't they? We do it all the time. And when a child comes up to the very edge of a, a six-lane road, we get in there and we say, don't you go anywhere, any, one step closer to that road, or I will kill you. <laughs> right? We do that all the time. There's a sense in which such is the gravity of what this child is about to do. 
that, that crossing the road is a death unto itself, that if we kind of threaten death, that's kind of a ve- better version than the death itself. Is this making sense? That in his threat in there, God is saying, I'm not the enemy, unforgiveness is the enemy, and I know how painful and unnatural this process is, that I almost have to threaten you into the process of doing it. It sounds absolutely ludicrous, doesn't it? Absolutely ludicrous. But God, God, your loving Heavenly Father, who was, who was there, by the way, when you got hurt? That, that's a whole other sermon, isn't it? Your Heavenly Father who watched it all happen and in your mind seemingly did nothing, knows you so well that if you hold on to the anger and the bitterness and resentment, this will eat you for lunch. It's, it's eating you up. Some of you know that it's eating you up. I know that it's eating me up because I have to deal with the hangover of the imaginary conversation each and every day because I'm harboring unforgiveness in my heart. So I guess the question for us is, not do I have to forgive, Lord, but do I have the resources to forgive? Culture doesn't offer it. Christian cliches don't offer it. But over the next couple of weeks, we're going to look at the resources for forgiveness in our lives. At the end of the day, Jesus says, you must, you must, you must, you must, you must, you must forgive. You must forgive. Not for their sake, by the way. You know what? Not for their sake, but primarily for your sake. Now, I'm going to be careful in what I say here because it's not just for your sake. Otherwise, we're just the same as the culture. That's cheap grace. True forgiveness recognizes that forgiveness is not so much for the benefit of the person who's hurt you, but for the benefit of you. But cheap grace says forgiveness is only for you. And what we're going to see in the coming weeks is that true forgiveness actually extends forgiveness with the hope and the holding out that there might be reconciliation. Now, of course, I know in the nuance of this, people that have caused you deep pain, I am not saying that you must be reconciled with people that have hurt you. Is that clear? But Christians always hold out the possibility where appropriate for reconciliation. So the question is not, do I have to? But the question is, do I have the resource to? And so first and foremost, you know, what is forgiveness? We always need to think of forgiveness as cancelling the debt. We see there that the king says it's fine. He cancels the debt. And what we then, I think, need to be real with each other is to say there is absolutely no way that in the remaining five minutes of this message, which is the best news that you've heard all morning, it's five minutes to go. Um, Let's be clear, there's absolutely no way in the next five minutes that for the deep pain and resentment and bitterness that you've been holding on to for the last 13 years, that that's going to be let go in the next five minutes, short of a miracle of the Lord, which I'm open for as well. But it's not like, you know, it's not like I thought up here, if I preach a really good sermon, um, then you're going to walk in here and go... Um, Oh yeah, all, the, all of that anger and resentment and bitterness and deep pain that I've had for 13 years. Cancelling the debt. Oh, is that what it was, Sam? Thank you. <laughs> Didn't know. <laughs> oh, shucks. That's what it was. Duh. <sighs> no, there's a process to forgiveness and Keller describes them as the dimensions of forgiveness. There's three dimensions to forgiveness. There's a vertical dimension. There's an inner processing and then there's an external. The vertical dimension of forgiveness is the most critical aspect and the uniqueness of the Christian's forgiveness. 
The vertical dimension of forgiveness we see here in verse 32. Then the master called the servant in, you wicked servant. I cancelled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on the fellow servant just as I had on you? What it says is at the cross, Jesus' followers have lost their right to refuse forgiveness to people. Because of this verse, in simple terms, the king says, I cancelled your debts. Who are you to not cancel the debt of someone else? I did it for you, no matter how big. I took the risk at the cross, no matter, no matter how big. Who are you to refuse that to someone else? To which we say, come on, Jesus, you're, just, you're getting crazy again. <laughs> Another way to put it is, look, here's, here's what it is, and this is the resource. The degree to which you see God's forgiveness in your life, is the degree to which you extend forgiveness to someone else. That's a vertical dimension. The inner dimension, I'll go through these a little faster, but the inner dimension is simply this, that we'll learn over the next couple of weeks that forgiveness is granted before it's felt. If you say, hey, you know, I need, to, I need to go and pray to God and I need to make sure I just get a warm, fuzzy feeling by the power of the Holy Spirit and when I feel that feeling, that will be the right time to forgive this person. No, forgiveness is granted before it's felt. And there's an inner process in all of that. And because cancelling the debt costs. Cancelling the debt is costly. Cancelling the debt hurts. Cancelling the debt is something that is not easy to do. And so it's an inner wrestle and a process. And then the horizontal outward direction is the extension of forgiveness to the other person. But radically in most cases, but not all, it's with the hope of restoration. And so that's what we're going to look over the next couple of weeks and this morning I didn't want to come to a point where you know we're going to get the band up here and we're going to get the lights down low and we're going to play a 6-8 song and we're going to get everyone a little bit emotional and we're going to kind of warm the room up and then I'm going to get you to all bow your heads and pray some special prayer and take what has been you know deep and painful wrongs in your life and expect that somehow we can just engineer a result this morning. So you can relax. I'm not asking you to forgive anyone in this moment this morning. (laughs) You can rest easy. But I am asking you to ask yourself the question, not do I have to forgive, but could I have the resources to forgive? Is it possible that I could have the resources to forgive? And just imagine if you trusted God with this process over the next couple of weeks. Because here's the promise. Jesus says, yeah, of course, if you're a follower of mine, you must forgive. But Jesus is never forgive and forget. Jesus is real. You will never forget the pains that have happened towards you. Here's the miracle that I think Jesus promises us in forgiveness. You will never forget the pains that have happened in your life. But through his process of forgiveness, that these millstones of anger and bitterness and regret, these millstone memories of pain and anger and resentment, he can transform those millstones of pain into monuments to God's goodness and grace in your life. He's not asking you to forget. He wants to transform the memories that you've had in these situations through the process of forgiveness. 
And so that when you are triggered by and come back to those moments of pain that people have hurt you because of the freedom that he grants you through forgiveness, he's not saying forget all of this. He's saying it's possible that we may be able to say, Lord, thank you. Thank you for the way that you have healed me and thank you for the way that you have given me freedom in my life. That's what's ahead of us when it comes to his process of forgiveness. It's not forgive and forget. And I'm probably like a lot of you this morning, that even after 20-something minutes, I've had a lot longer in this all week. And I've got to be real with you, my answer's still the same. I don't want to. (laughs) I don't want to. But I'm inviting you with me over these coming weeks to take those moments of your life and to see what God might do with that. Are you open enough at least to pull these things out of your heart that have been locked away and pushed away or maybe for some of you been replayed way too many times are you willing to take them and offer them to him in trust over these coming weeks and to say lord i'm praying that you will take the memory of this pain and turn them into monuments of your grace and healing in my life i don't know if that's what i want to do let's pray Father, I'm asking for me, first and foremost, that you would help me in this process in these coming weeks, have the courage to trust you in the scariness of this process of forgiveness. But of course, I I pray with a whole bunch of brothers and sisters who I know, each and every one of us, carry the pains of the metaphorical three wood to the head and I pray that in these coming weeks not just here on a Sunday might be in moments of devotion they might be in moments of frustration toward you they might be in moments of anger they might be in moments of rawness and quietness during our devotion with you I pray that you would meet us in those spaces. And I pray that our eyes would be open to the possibility and the resource of forgiveness as empowered by the Holy Spirit. We come into an ever deeper awareness of your forgiveness towards us. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thanks for tuning in. If you'd like to find out more about Northside, visit northsidechurch.org.au.